I want you to confess uh, our serious scripture again. Say it with me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, let's do it one more time. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, when you're in faith, you have power and you walk in love. And of course, you, your mind works. But when you're in fear, none of these things are working. So we've been to, uh, you know, to the Word over and over again about this subject. Today, I want to talk to you about no fear here. Don't be afraid to start again. Your God is a God of fresh starts. Aren't you glad for that? And when I start today over in Luke chapter 15, and look at the story of the prodigal. Because this is Prodigal Sunday. And just because you've been gone doesn't mean you have to stay gone. Scripture says in verse 11, we'll start there. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, look at somebody and tell him when he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and I'm here starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of, his hired, like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Aren't you glad that's the picture of your father today? You know, when you think of the word prodigal, automatically your mind goes to somebody who has disappeared or is absent. They have walked away from God or the things of God or the house of God. But actually, when you understand the word prodigal, it means more than just being a person who's missing in action. A prodigal person who takes everything valuable and basically squanders it, wastes it, misspends it. It actually means one who recklessly and wastefully squanders and spends precious resources. It can include money and material things, but it also means things like opportunity and destiny and potential in your life, energy, your talent, and most of all, it speaks of a wasted life. So a prodigal is not just somebody who's away from the father or the father's house. A prodigal is somebody who is wasting everything the father gave them in this life. I want you to understand, though, that you don't have to be in a pig pen to be a prodigal. There are just as many prodigals inside the father's house than there are outside the father's house. Both sons in this story were prodigal. One was prodigal physically in the pig pen. The other one was in the father's house, but he was prodigal when it came to the heart of the father. And we know that when the other son returns. Many people today are prodigal from his heart, his presence, his house, his call, his ministry, his purpose. And I just want to illustrate this for just a moment. Uh, Will, where are you today? Why don't you wave at everybody? This is Will Kunkel. And uh, 
Will's back in the house today, and we thank God that he is. But we're living in a day when COVID has accelerated the production of prodigals all over the country. This man actually requested that his son check him out of the hospital the other day so he could come to church. Chris had to explain to him that's not how it works, Dad. AMA to go to church. <laughs> but it says something about his heart. Just got out of rehab center in Hopkinsville, and he was at the prayer breakfast yesterday. We ought to give him a hand clap for his heart is not prodigal, that's for sure. But there are a lot of people just having the opposite mentality towards the things of God. And so it's not just the one in the pig pen, it's the one that's in the house of God, and yet their heart is not where it needs to be. The good news for you and for me is God's not done with you. The way he ran to the prodigals, the way he wants to treat you. His scripture tells us in Lamentations 3.22, his mercies are what? New every morning. God is not an ogre waiting to beat you with a baseball bat over the head because you've blown it or you've disappeared. He desires that you would grab a hold of the revelation of John 3.16 over today. And that is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Aren't you glad he gave his son? And aren't you glad that he loves you today? You don't have to doubt that love. The scripture tells us in, in Romans that but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ what? Died for us. The challenge to you today is that life is precious. Life in God is precious. There is a time stamp. There is a time when you will not be on this planet. If you and I don't make it to the rapture, you're going to be gone and you need to live your life honorably towards the Lord and make sure you do what he wants you to do in this life. It's time for the prodigal days in the house of God to be over. It's time for the prodigals to get out of the pig pen and it's time for those who have been absent themselves because they honor fear more than they honor the word of the Lord and get back to doing what they're called to do. Vacation's over, church. I said vacation is over. It's time to come up out of whatever has kept you away from the things of God, the heart of God, the house of God, and get on with it in Jesus' name. Because the reality is we're all prodigals in some way. Look at somebody and say, I knew he was talking about you today. I knew this was going to be for you today. Some of us have prodigal moments. There are moments throughout the day or week where there are isolated incidents of faithfulness where the heart strays and the meditation strays. Some of us have prodigal days where we live in that day not lining up with his will. We choose something else or we choose whatever we want instead of what he wants. Some of us have prodigal seasons. Those days stretch into seasons. These are prolonged periods where we're not in fellowship with God. We're not walking with him. We're not walking with his people. We're not walking in his presence. We're not in his word. And there could be some here today that you have adopted a prodigal lifestyle. You're living with self as the Lord and you're making decisions based on natural appetites rather than having a hunger after the things of God. Whether it is moments, days, seasons, or a lifestyle, God tells, to, tells everybody in the modern body, body of Christ, come home. It's time for the prodigal to come home, no matter how long you have been absent from his heart or from his house. The problem with that is, just like fear may tell you and dictate where you go in this COVID season that we've come to understand now, the problem with it is it just doesn't stop with COVID. 
If you welcome fear into your life, it'll begin to dictate everything about your life. If you allow fear to run you, it will run you. This is a great day to kick fear out in Jesus' name. Amen? 100% every area of your life, it needs to go. Shout out, no fear here. How much fear? No fear here. But when people begin to say, you know what, I want to get right with God, fear begins to move in. And sometimes, number one, they're afraid that something bad will happen if they return. Can I tell you something? The roof will not cave in if you come back to the house of God. These 26-foot iron mainframes will hold the roof up. Hallelujah. But what I mean is, I hate to be Captain Obvious today. But you're far more in danger going to the doctor than you are coming to church. And yet people won't think twice about it. I can't go to church. Somebody may sneeze on me or worse, they might sing on me. But you'll go to a room full of sick people. You'll walk down the aisles of Walmart. God knows where they've been. Hey, Pastor, when are you going to get off this thing? Never. <laughs> They're afraid something bad's going to happen if you come to church. No, something good's going to happen if you come to church. I said something good's going to happen when you come to church. You're going to walk out the door full of faith and full of victory and full of joy, knowing you're in what? The perfect will of God and treated as you ought to be one of his kids. Sometimes they're afraid, number two, the Father won't want you. Well, he's already looking for you. He's already expecting you. So the devil tells you, God don't want you back. You've you messed up too much. No, he's looking, he's looking for you. Number three, you're afraid you're not presentable. You stink. You're messed up. You've been in the pig pen. Do you know that just like God has some kind of a sound converter, that when you sing off key by the time it gets to heaven, it sounds beautiful? He's got a stink converter as well. Some of you are glad about that sound thing. But he's got a stink converter as well. And you may stink, but by the time it gets to him, guess what? Smelling fine, hallelujah. I was minding my business the other night. And in the middle of the night, I woke up. And it smelled like you're in an elevator with a lady that took a bath in five different kinds of perfume. It was so strong, it literally woke him up, and it was not the presence of the Lord. Are you here? It's not the realm of God. I go, what is that? I look over on top of the dresser, and there's this little thing about this big. And every so often, a little blue light would come on. And then it would go, <laughs> And I watched that thing in between gaps. The blue light would come on. And then the fan would catch it. It would just linger. With this, this horrible, horrible smell would just fill the, the room. And I couldn't help it. I asked the next day, why did you go buy a fart machine and put it in our room? I, I got to confess today before you all, I turned that thing off three nights ago. It's not on right now, praise the Lord. <laughs> you can tell. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Be nice. Amen. 
but you may smell like a fart machine. <laughs> Amen? But the Lord knows how to turn you off, hallelujah, and clean you up. Number four, you're afraid you've gone too far. No, you can never go further than his mercy can reach. That's the good news. Number five, you might be afraid of what others might think. Who cares what people think? It's time for you to be delivered from the opinions of people. The Bible says that the fear of man disables. We can't afford to be running around afraid of people and what they think. Number six, you might be afraid of falling again. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and does what? Gets back up again. Yea, though I fall, I what? I shall arise. You don't make the basis of returning to the Lord and coming away from your prodigal moments, days, seasons, or lifestyle on the premise that, hey, only if I never fall again. You understand that he's not upset with you and he's not going to kick you into the next county because you made a mistake. He still loves you as love endures. I'll say this because it's true. Part of you have a problem understanding God's nature because of the example that was given to you. Well, judge God by, by his word and his treatment of you. Don't judge him by the treatment of other people towards you. And number seven, some folks are afraid that God could never use you again. Well, the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. You and I, if we're called before we were prodigal, and we were anointed before we were prodigal, then we're anointed after we were prodigal, and we're called after we were prodigal. He's not done with you. Amen. And there's some people in this room right now, you need to hear that because your path has taken you to places where the devil's told you he couldn't possibly use you again. Do you know who, tell, who, who really you know, communicates that and where that doctrine comes from? That comes from religious people. But in God's eyes, he still wants to use you. Amen. So the question is, how do you start again? Well, I want you to read a little bit more of this scripture with me. And I want you to pick it up... Uh, Let's pick it up at uh, verse 21. In verse 20, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to do what? Began to what? They began to party. They began to celebrate. What you see here is a primer on how to start again. Turn to somebody and tell them, I don't care how long you've been prodigal. You can start again. Moments, days, Seasons, the whole lifestyle, you can start again. Raise your hand if you've ever had to start again. Well, then you know it's true, isn't it, church? So today, let's just remind ourselves about these principles. First of all, you need to realize, what does that mean? That means come to your senses. That means look at what's going on where you're at and realize God has something better for you. We need heightened consciousness to show us where we are and that there's a much better life that God has planned for us. We need to see that we're stinky and hungry and dirty and not like it. Are you here today? 
God has the ability to do amazing things, but not until we realize it. God, listen, there's a big misconception in the house of God. I'll tell you what it is. They use the scripture of you know, the 99 and the 1, and the 1 strays and gets away, as a theology for us, for people who willfully prodigal themselves, reject God, get offended with people, get offended with the church, and make a, you know, a, a separation from them. I want you to notice where the father is in this story. Does he want him to come home? Yes. Is he looking for him to come home? Yes. But did the father jump into the pig pen with him? No. This man had to realize where he was and that he wanted something better. He had to what? Come to his spiritual senses. You've got to realize where you are and want something better. You know, a lot of people are just not done with the world enough. They're just not done. You got to play around with a little bit, see if they can, uh, you know, survive and have a little fun and, and run contrary and live contrary to the teachings of Scripture and the teachings of the church and the teachings of your parents. I remember when my sister had a hard time in this area. You know, she had been sick as a little kid and grew up, you know, loving God. There was a season where, you know, she went into a period of serious, serious rebellion. Uh, the problem for her is she ran into Doris. Amen. You know, they teach a concept in psychology called reverse psychology. She invented it. And I remember how, how this person raised in a godly home made decisions. And, you know, thank God that she returned because when she returned, she returned with a vengeance. Amen. Full of the Holy Ghost and full of power. But, you know, you don't even have to leave. Amen. You don't even have to allow yourself to go down that path to find out what the world is. Because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, there's always great mercy from God's perspective. But there's no telling what the devil will try to do when you take yourself out from under the covering of godly parents and a godly church. Amen. And the word of God. You are fair game at that point. In other words, you take that hit of that drug, you might not come back. You need to understand right now, if you're playing around with this stuff, that most of the drugs that are coming in right now in this nation are all laced with fentanyl and it only takes a speck to kill you. And you need to know, you take that and rebellion to God, you walk away from God and take that, that little speck could cost you not just this life, it costs you eternal life. It's dangerous. You're playing Russian roulette out there. You're out there, out from under the covering, and anything can happen. And the only thing that's causing you right now to be protected is the prayers of the ones that love you. It's time to come home. Stop playing games. Whether it is a moment or a day or a season or a life, it's time to get back in, amen, and get under, as they used to say, the spot where the glory comes out. Amen. Glory to God. You need to realize where you are. So you know what? This is not for me. God has something better for me than this. Number two, you need to return. What does that mean? Just get up and go back home. It's time to come home to the Father's heart and come home to his house. He's not going to chase you down and make you leave the pig. He's not going to chase you down and make you come to the house. He's not going to make you appreciate the house if you're the other kind of prodigal where you're in the house but you're not appreciating what you've got. We've got to get up and return. 
We get up and return spiritually. We get up and return mentally and physically and emotionally. It's up to us to get up. It's not enough to realize you've got a problem. It's time to get up and go back the way you came. He's waiting for you, but he's not going to put you on his shoulders and carry you. He's not going to force you to do it. Your will is exercised by realizing where you are and then returning to the Father. The kind of father he is when he sees you do that, guess what? He'll run to you. Aren't you glad for that? How many can raise your hand and remember a time when he ran to you? You thank God you were not alone in that situation. Number three, you need to repent. Just like this prodigal, I have sinned against heaven and against you. There needs to be a change of mind with a change in terms of corresponding behavior. Listen very carefully. If there is no change, there is no repentance. You didn't repent because you got caught. You didn't repent because things fell apart while you're out there. You repent if there's real change in your life. And what we produced in, in America is, is an anemic church without standards, without consequences, without accountability, and people living like they want to live in a non-Christ-honoring way and expecting it's going to go well for them. If you really repent, it's not enough to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. You need to what? Repent. Change your behavior. Go the other way. That's how you start again. Say it with me. Realize where I'm at. Return. Go back home. Repent. Change my mind and change my behavior in Jesus' name. Aren't you glad that you can do that? Go ahead and pinch your neighbor and see if they're alive right now. And as long as they're alive, they can still repent. Come on, say this to me. Dead men tell no tales. And dead men what? Don't repent. Number four, you need to receive. I want you to notice that all the father wanted to do was give to his son. Not rebuke, criticize, cut down. Denigrate. All he wanted to do was give him mercy and restoration. Many people preach a heavenly father that just wants to hurt and condemn. The most wonderful part of this story is that it reveals the true nature of your God. He is loving. He is kind. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He is good. That's the God of the New Testament. That's what he's like, and that's what he wants to be for you and for me. He longs to do for you. He longs to give to you. There was no lecture when the guy came home. The question is, can you and I allow God to be God and then receive what he wants to do for us in our lives? First of all, he gave him the robe of righteousness. Right standing with God. The robe cleanses the stink. It is the filter. It represents, of course, the blood of Jesus for you and for me that was shed for you and for me. It's the filter he looks at when he sees us. There's now nothing between him and the Father. Nothing. Because now he is undercover. Aren't you glad that he gave you, what? His righteousness. Say it with me. He took my sin and gave me his righteousness. 
You know, as a baby Christian, somebody handed me a little mini book that John Osteen wrote about righteousness. And it changed my mind. It's one of the most outstanding revelations you'll ever have as a Christian. Because now you understand it's not just about you're some weak worm of the dust and pathetic person no higher than, than a grasshopper or the, or the side in the curb. You are, you've been made righteous by God. That's what this means. I know you just came out of the pig pen, but when I put this on you, you're righteous. It's been now imparted to you. Aren't you glad he gave you the gift of righteousness? I don't know if I like that. He can go straight from the pig pen without being cleaned up. You're missing the point. The robe does the cleansing. Take your own bath and present yourself to God. That's not going to work. Just come as you are. Number two, he gave him the ring of favor and blessing. Who wants to give a son that squandered everything more ability, more favor, more blessing? Who wants to give him the opportunity as well as the power to prosper? That's what the father did by giving him that ring. My son, you can still go out and transact business in my name. You can still go out and buy and sell and be prosperous in Jesus' name. Amazing. <clears throat> there are people in here. You've decided that because you ran away from God that uh, he wouldn't do good things in your life anymore. He's still doing good things. Amen. He's what? How good? How good? Come on, say, he is good to me. All the time. He gives you his favor. Amen. Open doors. And he gives you what? His blessing, the power to do it. What a mighty God we serve. Can you receive it? I said, can you receive it? He put his righteousness on us and gave us his favor and blessing. Straight out of the pit. Number three, he gave us the shoes of sonship. Meaning relationship and access. Shoes aren't for servants. Shoes are for sons. For what? For heirs. Well, he spent his inheritance well, guess what? With God, there's always another supply. In the natural, it might have been gone, but speaking of our God, there's still an inheritance for you. I don't deserve an inheritance. Look what I did. Look what I said. Look how I handled this. God couldn't possibly have an inheritance for me. He still has an inheritance for you. And it's only four sons and daughters. Amen. We're sons and daughters by birth, by the new birth, and we're servants by choice. But understand, there's an inheritance there. Say it, I am an heir. Put a big old smile on your face and say, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm his heir. Amen. How in the world can I be in the pig pen and then a few hours later, what? Be righteous, blessed, favored, and have an inheritance. You know, you start to think about this stuff. Think, why would anybody ever turn away from God? Where could it be better than with God? Nah, it couldn't be. You know, I, uh, if you haven't met my dad here, give him a big hand clap. Yeah, I appreciate him. <laughs> uh, most of you that got to know him a little bit know he's an awesome guy. But... Uh, Years ago, he was a director of an Olin plant in Marion, Illinois, in the refuge, and now it's a division of General Dynamics. But uh, one of the things I always had 
because of that relationship is, is access. Everybody say access. access. Say it with me. Say access. access. Say again, access. access. I have what? Access. access because I'm a son. So he could have been in a, you know, meeting, multi-million dollar contract for the United States military, or he could have been with his managers, uh, or he could have been dealing with some crisis in the plant. How many know that things, explosives go boom from time to time? But my call, everybody say my call. My call when it came in was transferred to him. His uh, admin assistant, years Lorraine, would forward my call instantly to his desk. I need to pick it up. Why? Because sonship gives you access. And that's the way your heavenly father is with you. When you call upon his name, it didn't put you on hold. Doesn't tell you I'm in too big of a meeting to talk to you. Don't have time to deal with that. Amen. I don't know. Everybody has fond memories, you know, about their parents and their childhood and the, and the neat things. But something simple like saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm driving up. Would you like to meet me over the Dairy Queen in Carterville, Illinois? Sure. So I drive up and I'm thinking, here, you know, I'm a big man having, having lunch with the big boss over at Olin. But guess what? To me, he's just dad. And I knew he was going to pay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, amen. <clears throat> but then that has a boomerang effect. Now I pay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. So say it with me. I have his righteousness. I have his favor. I have his blessing. I have a relationship. I have an inheritance. We are so blessed. Last thing he gave him was a family party. Gave him a celebration. The father can't wait to celebrate in the honor of the one that comes home. We celebrate when a prodigal returns. We don't denigrate, criticize, belittle, or disparage. Can I have an amen? There's some people that keep a record of wrongs. And the funny thing about people that keep a record of wrongs, oftentimes they forget about their wrongs. They're treated with great mercy, but then they turn around and treat somebody else with great contempt because of the mistakes that they have made. The Lord doesn't like that very much. Amen? No, he doesn't. But he wants you back at his table. He wants to celebrate you. And the church should do the same. But you know, this other son had a problem had a chip on his shoulder, had unresolved resentment. And the moment he saw his brother being celebrated after coming back from the pig pen, he took issue with that. You know why? Because he was prodigal in his hearts. Can I tell you something? You should come back home today if you've been away. Listen to me. If you've been prodigal for moments or days or seasons or a lifetime, you need to come home today. You know what the rest of us are going to do? We celebrate you in Jesus' name. We celebrate the fact. We partay with you, glory to God, because that's what God has sent his son to do, was to restore you. Well, you know, I've blown it so many times. How many parties are going to have? As many parties as it takes. Amen. But it's up to you. Not to be afraid to start again. Not to use a bunch of excuses. To come back to the Father's house, come back to the Father's home, come back to his heart, and live your life victoriously in him. Look what he has for you.
everything good. He had a glimpse, as Tyler referred to earlier, of the good things that he has for you. You wouldn't stay a moment away from his presence. But I can tell you right now, in this room are people who have been prodigal for moments. And maybe that was a revelation to you just sitting here today. Or you've been prodigal for some days or a season. Or right now, if you died, you split hell wide open because you are living a lifestyle of the prodigal. You know what? He loves you dearly. There's a word that just always just screams at me when I read that scripture. Quick. Quick. Get the best robe. He's highly motivated to accept you and restore you in every way. Can you receive that today? Come on, give him a big hand clap and thank him for it.